Before we begin, just a heads up that today's episode has some strong language. So if you're listening with a child present or you're at work, fair warning. Welcome to Anxiety and the Artist, the podcast that explores artists' relationship with anxiety, offering insight and inspiration. I'm your host, Allison Sheff, a writer, director, artistic liaison, and mom. I'm so grateful you're here. My guest today is Carol Montgomery. Carol is a respected veteran of the stand-up comedy scene, having headlined clubs and colleges across the U.S. and starred in two Las Vegas shows. She has over a dozen television credits and is the creator and star of Showtime's Funny Women of a Certain Age. Carol, welcome to the show. Hey, hello. (laughs) So you have one of the most interesting backgrounds of of anybody I know. And so I wonder if you could just share a little bit of that. Um, Sort of tell us uh, the the Carol Montgomery origin story. Um, (laughs) And then then tell us about your relationship with anxiety. My dad... Um, who, by the way, I'm writing a solo show about my father called I Am My Father's Son. <laughs> um, uh, because he, he was, you know, a very larger-than-life person. You know, very... When my father walked into a room, that was it. There, there could be 5,000 people. Everyone stopped because he walked in. So, um, and he was very funny. He, he, you know, we used to watch the Marx Brothers and Abbott and Costello and... You know, Sundays in New York City back in the day, we would watch the Bowery Boys and, and like I said, Abbott and Costello and uh, Little Rascals. So I, 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 he, he instilled in me a love of comedy from a very early age. Um, so, uh, so really, where it started was he was a he was a high, he was a teacher, mm-hmm. and every summer he would take the summers off when I was very young, and he would be a bartender in the Catskill Mountains, and so unbeknownst to me, I realized this later on in life that, you know, I was a little kid and I'd sit with my dad while he was setting up the, you know, he'd be setting up the bar for that evening show. And, you know, like Tony Fields would walk in and, you know, Jack Roy, who becomes Rodney Dangerfield would Hmm. walk in. And, and years later I said, you know, you, you know, you really can't give me shit about being comedians. You, you pretty much set it up that I was going to end up, you know, I, I, I've been in nightclubs basically since I was at, five. <laughs> so your dad worked in like a marvelous Mrs. Maisel dirty dancing type oh, Catskills absolutely. resort. Absolutely. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, no, he was, he, I mean, that, that whole, you know, it's funny when we watch, when, when, when we watched that episode of Maisel, it, it really was, it was like memories come rushing back because you what it was is, so we would stay in a, they used to, I, and I think they show this in Maisel, we would stay in a bungalow colony. Mm-hmm. And then you'd have your bungalow for the summer, and then he would go off, and he would. I I, I think I want to say, I don't remember this. So so you know, I want to say that we we may have stayed in the hotel at some point, or that you wherever the employees were. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that, but I do remember, you know, being around comedians, you know, at the bars, you know, mm-hmm. you know. So so that yeah, that's really where it came from. And um, I was actually doing summer stock. I was a techie in summer stock. And, you know, there was a lot of drinking going on. And, and I remember <laughs> somebody said, you know, you're really funny. You should do comedy. And, like, back then, you have to understand, I was twenty twenty three. But back in the, you know, late 70s, I was like, like you mean like Johnny Carson? Like the Because that's all I knew from comedy was, right. was Johnny. Right. 
So I didn't really know what that was. And they said, no, like stand-up comedy and everything. And so we ended up, it was so funny. We ended up doing like one of the, we had a break. Maybe we had a Monday off. And we said, we're going to do a party, a Christmas in July party. And they said, you, we want you to do stand-up. So that's where I started doing, you, my friend and I sat down and he helped me write like five minutes. I don't remember any of this, obviously. I don't know. <laughs> and, then, um, and then I started going out and doing it. I went, I started going out to Pip's. In Sheepshead Bay, that's where Joan Rivers and David Brenda started, and um, and 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 from there, you know, uh, I I started yeah, that started the journey of of of, of being a comic. Um, I remember seeing when Freddie Prince, uh, Freddie Prince the senior, not the junior. Mm-hmm. One of a momentous occasion was seeing Freddie on the Tonight Show because I was like, "What is this? This is interesting." <laughs> So, you know, and then years, obviously years later, I become a comedian. Right, right. So then you're doing stand-up, and then how do you end up in Vegas? So basically back then, you know, you, you'd work, you try to get into one of the clubs. At the clubs at the time was Sketch Rising Star, The Improv, and The Comic Strip. And those were the only clubs. And once you became a regular there, you'd work there, and then you you start going out and maybe doing some one-nighters in Jersey, you know, like at, at some bar, you know, some bar that had sawdust. Mm-hmm. on the floor mm-hmm. and um we at, at some point you know i was i was starting to make a living i was starting to i was starting to move into what they call headlining mm-hmm. and um i i just said to i said to todd my husband todd i said you know it's time i, I need to go to la and we moved out there and so i was wow. doing a lot of um you know i i, I it was the same thing because where whenever you move somewhere you you end up having to start all over again which i had to do right and then um uh this was literally late 80s, early 90s. So the early 90s was the, the comedy boom. That's when everything exploded. There was literally a comedy club on every block. Um, I did a bunch of television. I probably did like, I don't know, a dozen shows that year. And then I knew, in somewhere in my head, I knew that, well, they're not going to put me back on for another year because, uh, you know, that's just the way the it, the routing went. And I said to Todd, let's get – let." You, because Todd, of course, had been up my ass about having a child, <laughs> and um, and so we, you know, I got I got pregnant almost immediately, and um, then went back on the road. And Todd was working at that point. He was working, I think, at A and M Records at that point. And it's much easier, by the way, if you have a partner in stand up. I mean, you know, I know a lot of people are single, but it does help that you have a partner who also has a job. So you know, we were able to pay our bills because it was just me at the beginning. I probably would have had to get a day job. Right. And so what happened, the, the, the story about Vegas is actually a great story. So my son was at the time, I'm going to say three and a half, four. And I would get up early in the morning, like at three in the morning to leave, to get on a plane, to go back East to make money as a comet. And I would wake him up and kiss him goodbye. And he would start bawling. Oh, don't leave me, mommy. Like he was a really good Jew early, early on. <laughs> Um, and he's like, don't leave me, please don't. And so it, it, this one time I was going to Vegas, I was driving to Vegas and, um, uh, and I got to my hotel room. I was doing the Riviera comedy club. And I was, I, when I, when I used to go on the road, especially back then, I would take pictures of Lane and Todd and everything and my son and, uh, and just make, try to make the hotel or the, wherever I was staying homey like mm-hmm. pictures, you know, whatever I did. And I was putting all my stuff away. Cause I'm, when I, when I go to a hotel, I still do it to this day. I, I, I I unpack immediately. I put my clothes in the closet. I put my toiletries in the bathroom. And while I was putting the toiletries in the bathroom, I kept thinking to myself, Ugh, I can't stand leaving my baby. 
I, you know, God, wouldn't it be great if I could just get a gig where I could just stay home? And I swear to you, you talk about the power of attraction. Right. Afternoon, I get a call from Steve Sharippa, who was the entertainment director um, of the Riviera, who, of course, everyone knows from the Sopranos and Blue Bloods. Um, And he called me and he said, oh, the comic who was working in Crazy Girls had had a heart attack and they needed somebody to sub. Would I go in and sub? You know, and I went, Mm -hmm. sure. So I did 27 shows that week. Oh, wow. Yeah. I went from the comedy because the comedy club had comedy club had three. I forget. It was like they had. So I would I'd start at the comedy club because their show was at, let's say, eight. And then Crazy Girls was at nine. So I'd go to Crazy Girls. And I, I literally, I was, I, I, you know, the, by the end of the week, I did not know. I, I didn't know where I was. <laughs> so much going. And they were, thank goodness, the showrooms were right next to each other. And mm-hmm. that's when um, the producer said, look, um, we want you to stay on. And I was like, oh, okay. So I called Todd and I said, okay. You know, and the money was great. And I said, the only, I said, just for the summer, he said, I just want you to, I said, you know, I was going to stay in the hotel. He said, I said, I can't, I'm not leaving my baby for two months. Mm-hmm. So the only way I do this is if I can bring my baby with me. And they right. were, you know, they didn't care because they weren't going to have to watch him. Right. So, um, <laughs> sure. And so they, um, so Lane and I stayed at the Rivera hotel all summer. <laughs> nice. In, I, I want to say at the end of these of the summer, they offered me a contract. They said, we'd like you to stay on. And then Todd, you know, quit his job and moved. We, we got an apartment and he moved here. So, cause he didn't want to, he didn't like, you know, the same way I didn't like that leaving him. Mm-hmm. He only got to see him every weekend and he didn't right. want that. He was miserable. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's how it all happened. Amazing. And that turned into 10 years. That's incredible. I know. So, okay. So the, so Vegas ends. Um, and you have, when does this like period of, of unemployment happen where you're like the, uh, Luxor was taken over by the MGM mm-hmm. and they wanted to do like this whole big, you know, it's funny. This is all about anxiety because the fact was, is all of a sudden I, I, I didn't have a job anymore because the, they were trying to, they were trying to fig- do something else, which they replaced me with somebody who was so horrible. <laughs> And I remember uh-huh. saying to the company manager, listen, if you guys want to get rid of me, that's fine. But you got to, you got to let me know soon because in my business at that point, we book six months ahead. So mm-hmm. if you're going to get rid of me like next month, you need to let me know. So I right. can start booking stuff to be on the road. So they're like, you're fine. Nothing's happening. We're good for the end of the year. Your contract's up at the end of the year. Well, <laughs> I'm on, you know, I'm reading and everything, and I hear the phone ring, and and Todd got, and I hear Todd call me, and I I look down on the stairs because we were always in my second floor, and he goes, and the the, the producer, he goes, the producer, of, you know, is on the phone, and I, I looked at him, I said, yep, this is it, and of course, Carol, we're so sorry, but you know, um, we're gonna go in a different direction, you know, we'll give you a month's pay, but we have to let you go, and I wanted to say to her, you know, I asked you last fucking week, right. You know, I, I don't care about this, but that, it was a shitty move. You right. You know what I mean? Well, and what's the point of having a contract if you're not going to right. pay right. it out? Right. <laughs> so then I had to scramble because, right. because I, I, I mean, I did get work. We had some money saved, you know, we, we were, we weren't, you know, in, you know, but it was, it was very terrifying. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Tell me the truth. I've always been that way in my business. 
if you don't like what I do or you don't want to work with me, instead of ignoring me, just tell me. Because you know what? There's a show right across the street. So I will be okay. But there, there's this thing in the industry and, and all in showbiz. They're like, oh, I don't want to tell you. You know, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. Give me the fucking bad news. I'm a grown up. You know right. what I mean? Like, I can't Right. No, it. absolutely. Yeah. And I but, feel like that's even more prevalent nowadays, like the ghosting. You yeah. Know? Well, back then it wasn't called ghosting, but that's exactly yeah. what it was. It was like, you know what? Just tell me. So yeah. then basically after that, I was like, that's it. And then we just, and then we moved back to New York um 17 years ago wow okay really oh my gosh that's the whole career in a nutshell okay so so you had so you moved back to new york um what 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 events led up to you deciding to create funny women well um as you know in our business um uh uh, when you reach a certain age uh, the industry is not very kind to you um, I like to say when you hit 40, you're already dead. Um, especially in LA, it's like 35. You're like, shouldn't you be getting a walker? You know? Right. <laughs> I used to joke when I moved out there, I was, um, a size four and 29 and they treated me like I was an overweight senior citizen. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. That's exactly <laughs> it. So I saw the writing alone. So I moved back. Remember I tell you that every time you move somewhere in, in, in you have to restart your career. So I moved right. back to New York. Nobody knew who I was because mm-hmm. I'd been in Vegas for 10 years. You know, there were some people that knew me, but like, you know, you know, this with, with acting, you know, you, you go into a read for a casting director and a year later, it's a different casting director for the TV show. Right. You know what I mean? So right. nobody knew who I was. So I had to start rebuilding, rebuilding, you know, even remember I was a, a major headliner mm-hmm. um, and, and headline some of the biggest clubs in the, in the country. And now remember the internet had started because I mm-hmm. didn't have a following on Twitter. All of a sudden, I, but we need more, you know, we, no, you're not a national headliner. I said, really, really? Cause I played every club in, in America, but I'm not a national headliner. Like it was such bullshit. So I was like, okay, what do I do now? I, I didn't want to, I, I was too old to start a, a career, which by the way, I, I always say to myself, you know, if I'd gone to college, because I could have taken day classes in Vegas and had a degree. I was there that long. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, right, oh, right. Anyway, so um, basically, I started going, okay, well, what do I want to do? So I started teaching. Um, I started uh, developing and directing solo shows, uh, which is really my love now. I mean, that I love that more than anything is just sitting with somebody and and crafting their show. But, um, so I started doing that. And what happened was, so that's what he was doing. I, we were, you know, Todd was working, of course, on Broadway. And, you know, so we, it was his turn to maybe take the bulk of what was happening. I was still working. I never went back to a day gig after that. Um, mm-hmm. And then around, um, well, I came up with the idea when I was 59. Okay. So, I was doing, you know, solo work and developing and teaching and picking, you know, doing what I do. And then I was doing a podcast with a bunch of other female comics and we had such a good time. We were laughing and we were all older and we all knew each other from the road. But, you know, when the thing about, I say this on stage is you never get to work with women because there's only one woman on a show. Mm-hmm. So, and of course I said, the great thing about working with female comics is you never have to worry about them exposing themselves to you. So there's that. (laughs) um, Oh, it's so true. So so after I left them, 
I, we had such a good time. And I remember calling Todd and I said, you know, we, I, I think we should do a show with um, all female comics over the age of 50. And I'll just invite all of my friends. And, you know, in show business, you throw enough shit on the wall. And, my, and this is the first, first and only time Todd went, that's a really good idea. <laughs> and, then, and then the rest is history. Right. Right. So now while you were creating this, did you feel like, what did you have, I I hate using this term, but like, was there a feeling of sort of flow? Like, did it, did it just all sort of fall into place because you were sort of like working towards what it was you were meant to be doing? Um, you know, it's really the only time that everything fell into place pretty fast. I mean, when I tell, when I tell you the timeline, it'll blow your mind because it was, I came up with the idea, I think in the summer of 2018. And, you know, I was calling people and saying, I have this idea. And some people were like, yeah, I'm too busy. I'm like, okay. And I was, I mean, I remember sitting with you in a diner in the summer of 2018. And you told me about this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So then I remember. And I remember thinking, that's a really good idea. Yeah. And then um, I was, I, I had befriended this young lady who ha- she was doing her own um, her own comedy festival called uh, the Cinder Block Comedy Festival. She wanted it to be ge- not not all females, but she wanted it to be open to all genders. You know, this is mm-hmm. you know six years ago, so the whole pronoun and all that stuff really had not exploded. And she was trying to just be good, and mm-hmm. people were bashing the shit of her on her about like men were like, I can't believe it. Why are you only letting? Women who, you know, people who identify, you know, like he, they were really giving her shit. So I had taken her out and I said, listen, if anybody threatens you again, you just tell them to come to me. And of course, you know, I have a reputation of not, don't fuck with me. So right. <laughs> I befriended her. And when I was telling her the idea for the store, I think this was the second year already that she had done it. She said, why don't you premiere it at, at Cinderblock? I said, okay. And she said, I already have Judy Gold and Janine Garofalo booked. You book a couple more people. And so as a, as a, as a kind of like gimmick, I had a, a young millennial female comic who was actually dating my son at one point. Mm-hmm. He's great, really funny, a young lady named Jamie Manalis. And um, I, she hosted it. Uh, Rhonda Hanson was on it. Um, oh, my God. Uh, Nikki, uh, Nikki Carr was on it. Uh, Judy and Janine and myself. Okay. And it was packed. It was one of these little hipster bars in Brooklyn, packed. It was such a, res- the response could not have been better. And there was a woman who was working uh, the door who was a young comic. And she said, I work at the Crane in New York City. And she goes, I really think my boss would like this. And so I brought it to him. So now we're talking, Cinderblock was in September. I think we brought it to him in December. He said, oh, I want, I think you, let's do this. Let, let's do a monthly residency. Now, in the interim of all this, as far as the TV show is, is concerned, I uh, I had produced a I was a supervising producer of a, a two co- two comedy specials uh, that did not go to network. So the the person who I you know who was the EP on that is was the the gentleman who ends up being the you know EP of of the specials um, Dave Goldberg and I we had kept in touch after all those years and uh, I told him the idea and he said this is a great idea we should sell it. And I wasn't, I really wasn't thinking that way. I was totally thinking this as a live show. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like we would just, you know, go on the road, be like, excuse me, like the, like the blue collar guys, you know, and just 
do that and eventually have specials. Well, yeah. it, it kind of worked out the opposite of that because mm-hmm. we went in and met with Showtime in November, even before we had had the residency. I knew I, I knew I had a show, but he, he had no idea we, there was going to be a residency. And the kid was interested. And it's funny because I call him a kid, uh, even though he was exec. And um, but he was like, you know, we didn't have. He was like, let's keep talking. You know that line. Let's keep mm-hmm. talking. We'll mm-hmm. let you know. And then in February uh, of 2019, 2018, I don't. Oh my god, I'm so bad at this. Um, he we ended up doing a big showcase for all of um, all of the industry. Like HBO was there, Amazon. There was no Apple TV back then. CNN, it's Showtime. That we they all came to this uh, this showcase at. Um, at uh at the crane and the, we you know they started bidding at one point amazon was going to use it just like the first year of Maisel. they were thinking of making us a sister project but then pass and i kept saying to dave look if we're going to go with any network i want to go with showtime because they gave me my first break mm-hmm. you know back in the day i was on they used to have a show called the showtime all-stars and i was on that you know lane was I, I think it was the first thing I left Lane for, but you know, I was like, all right, I'm done breastfeeding. I got to right. do a special. <laughs> right. So, so, and that, and that's how, that's how it happened. So, so the time frame is we do a show at a festival in September. We meet with Showtime in November. We, we do our first show at the crane in December, February, the following year, we're doing a showcase. We had the deal in April. They gave us the deal. Wow. In April, and we shot, I want to say we shot, yeah, we shot in January of the following year, which is unheard of. You know, it's it, th- that shit doesn't happen. So th- to answer your, this was a very long way of saying it. It it, it just didn't. St- it, it it it's it's its own juggernaut, as I like to call it. It it just yeah. keeps going. Yeah. So you, you've talked a little bit about your son and your husband. What has what is maybe some more so your son, but what has he taught you about being an artist? What has my son taught me? Yeah. And, and like reacting to, how do you react to your anxiety around him? He's my Yoda. <laughs> That's amazing. No, he's my, oh, oh, okay. This is, uh, this is actually a great story for this particular podcast. So it's the first special, right? First time mm-hmm. I'm doing this, uh, you know, it's it, first of all, the, I can't tell you what that was like being there. Like I, my Vanessa Holland said, who's on the first special, she came to my house. Todd was coming later, obviously, because I had to be on set at like one. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and we were shooting, I think it's seven thirty. So Vanessa came to my house. We took an Uber to the bell house. And the whole time I'm going at any point, somebody's going to go, wait a minute. We meant Carol Burnett. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yes, because you know that performers are just the most. We have no fucking self esteem. Right. When we get there, and I'm, I'm walking around, Allison, and and they're talking like people coming like Carol. You need to come in here. You have to see the set. And I'm like, are, are you? Huh? What? Me? What? Because I, I, I was also the executive producer, so it was the most surreal experience to be doing this. And we're all like, the energy was. I can't even tell you. It was so that first special was so electric. But the story is so. Todd and Lane were coming later because I had things to do, mm-hmm. right? So um, the my my executive from Showtime. I'm running around. It's literally seven, 
we're shooting at 7.30. I'm going on second or third. And he goes, Carol, you need to go and be a comic now. Stop producing. I said, I can't. And he pushed me through the doors and, go, and, and, and slammed the door and said, you know, because it was a door to go backstage. Right. So I sit down and I'm like, everyone is still like, everyone's like, this is really happening. I can't, I, the, the feeling was, like I said, it was so electric. But I said, I need to see my son before, before the show starts. I need, like, I, I was like, I, I, I can't do this unless I know Lane's here. Mm-hmm. And not that, I, you know, I, I just like, I need, I, so this is what happened. So uh, what was funny is uh, the Bell House is very small. So we, we were literally like in a broom closet doing makeup, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. because, you know what I mean? Like this yep. wasn't like a major production where we had like our own room for makeup. So I'm right. like in a broom closet and they're putting on makeup and they're doing it like, you know, two of the girls, Vanessa and Carrie Louise, cause they're real girls and I'm not, I'm basically, you know, I'm basically a guy with tits. So anyway, <laughs> um, they're doing my hair and everything. And so all of a sudden I hear the, I hear the statement, I go, please, uh, you know, get out of the way. Lane is coming through. <laughs> and I mean, I'm literally half made up. And he walks in with his girlfriend at the time. And I stood, I said, give me a moment. And I literally just, I, I stood, I get all, I get very teary about this. I stood up and I walked over to him. Now you've met my son. He's, uh, he's a giant man. Mm-hmm. And I lean into him and I just put my head on his chest for like a minute and he just rubbed my back oh. and we did that. And then I got up, I went, now get the fuck out of here. I have to talk to do, go away. <laughs> and, but, but I, 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 it's like, he's my base. He's my home base. Yeah. When, when, when I, he, he really is, he's a perfect mixture of me and Todd, you know? Yeah. Uh, and he, he really more so than anybody in the world. He, he calms me. Yeah. So what advice would you give to an artist that is struggling right now? Get a day job. <laughs> Go back to college. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> What's your plan B? <laughs> no, but you know what? I I have to say, because and I, and I forget when I talk about my career, I'm like, oh, all right. I, I, I had a pretty decent you know, career. Um, I've always loved this. There is really nothing else I can do. Mm-hmm. So it has to come from your soul. You have to, I mean, when you're, if you're an artist, you're, is fame and money great? Yes, maybe you, you have to want to do this. You, you know, for a minute about, this was just before we shot, I came up with the idea for funny women. I was, I worked behind the scenes as an agent and a manager um, uh, and I, so I, I, I know every side of the business that was actually a great lesson for me because I learned the ins and outs of negotiating and all that shit. And everyone was like, you're going to go back to comedy. Like Judy Gall kept saying, you're not staying a manager, you're a comedian. I'm like, no, this is what I'm going to do now because I'm tired and I don't want to do this anymore. And, um, but within six months I was like, if I'm going to work this hard for other, that's stupid, let me work. If I'm going to work this hard for other people, why wouldn't I do it for myself? Right. Well, and like, so interesting also how I was saying earlier, you know, everything always works out. You, you had to go and be a manager right, to learn certain things right, and take those skills with you in back into your own business. Right. When I, I want to say, and like I said, I'm so bad with dates. Because um, one of the things I, I emphasize a lot on this podcast is like, it's okay to do something else. Right. 
you know, it does. If 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 you feel like you're hitting a wall with with whatever your art is at the moment, right? Go do something else. Yeah, <laughs> you can always come back to it. It will always still be there. You know what? This is a brutal business, and the one thing I can tell you from being a 65 year old woman is, I wish I had the confidence that I have now when I was in my 20s. Because, yeah. and I do a bit about this. I do a bit about you know when you're young and and you get rejected, it's like it's like somebody came in and ripped your heart out, you know? And I said, when you're 65, I said, I'm like Neo in the Matrix now. <laughs> yells at me, I just bend over like, shoo, shoo, you know? I mean, like, I, <laughs> nothing phases me anymore, you know? But and, right. and another piece of advice is don't take it personally. It yeah. has nothing to do with you. It really doesn't. I know people want to think that, like, oh, that casting director doesn't like me or that director doesn't like me. or No, it has to do with the fact that they fit the costume. Right. So you right. can't take any show business personally because, you know, and I, that's another thing I wish I, I, I had, had had taught myself when I was young because everything, a, anytime I didn't get something, I, I, I was so upset. I was like, oh, my God, what did I do wrong? And it's like nothing. They wanted somebody with brown hair. Right. Right. Well, Carol, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story and your, your wisdom. It's very appreciated. Thank you. I had, a, I had a great time. We'd love to connect with you. You can find us on Instagram at Anxiety and the Artist. If you want insight and inspiration on dealing with anxiety delivered to your inbox, subscribe to our monthly emails at anxietyandtheartist.com. If you like the show, tell a friend about it. Love an episode? Share it in your Instagram stories. Also, leaving a quick review in the podcast app of your choice really helps us get the word out. Thank you to Bosco Chef, who composed our theme music and provides sound editing and engineering for each episode. And thanks to our marketing consultant, Ben Nissen. Until next time, I'm Allison Chef. Be healthy and stay creative. This podcast represents the opinions of Allison Chef and her guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.